Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. The Rangers getting the first road victory against Carolina the entire playoffs. Uh, the Hurricanes won seven games with the Bruins. Each home team won that game or won that uh, the games in that series. And the Rangers dealt Carolina their first home loss of the playoffs, eliminating them. After seven games, they advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals to take on the two-time defending champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. So very exciting for the Rangers. We'll talk a little bit about that in the beginning of the podcast. As for the rest of the episode, um, NBA Finals preview, very exciting. Warriors, Celtics, uh, the Celtics got it done in seven games when it looked like it probably was only going to go six. Jimmy Butler reached back into his bag to put up an incredible performance. He put up a great performance in Game 7 as well, but it just wasn't enough that time to get it done. Uh, so we'll talk about that Game 7. We'll have a finals preview, and we'll wrap up the show talking about the first two episodes of the highly anticipated Obi-Wan Kenobi series, uh, some fan theories involving Rava and how she knows Anakin is Darth Vader uh, and some other things involving the show. So very excited for that. The first two episodes were unbelievable. Everything I ever wanted. I think everything any Star Wars fan could have wanted. Uh, it was awesome. This episode will be out on Wednesday. The newest episode for Kenobi will also be out today. We're just going to talk about the first two. The episodes dropped on Friday, and now every episode moving forward is going to be out on Wednesday. Um, I'm going to talk about the premiere. There is a chance I do a weekly thing and talk about the series weekly at the end of the podcast. And also a chance that I just do one big episode when the show wraps to talk about all of it. Um, I did write a blog on animalhouseusa.com. You can go check that out about uh, Kenobi. I'm also writing for Collider now. You can go check that. I'm a list writer for them. So go check out my list articles, top 10. I think my first article published was top 10 Obi-Wan Kenobi quotes. So you guys can go and read that if you're interested. Let's start with the Rangers. Uh, they put a beat down on Carolina in Game 7 at Carolina. 6-2 final score. Uh, there was an empty netter in there. Carolina tagged on two goals in the third period. But at that point, it was already, uh, I think it was 4 nothing, And then they got a goal. It was 4-1. And then immediately, like 40 seconds later, the, the Rangers scored another goal to make it 5-1. to one. Um, Carolina scored another one and then the Rangers had an empty netter and that was the end of it. 6-2. Chris Kreider had two goals in this game. Uh, Mika Zibanejad, a couple of assists. Uh, Panarin had an assist. Igor Shosturkin obviously continues to be the best goaltender in hockey. He had a shutout for like 45 minutes of this game. So he was phenomenal. Um, really well done on his part. And the Rangers power play ended up being the difference. Uh, the first two goals 
in this game were power play goals from the Rangers, and their power play unit has been spectacular, much like it was in the regular season. So they advanced to play the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have been sitting pretty for about 10 days now because they swept the Florida Panthers in their semifinal matchup. Uh, so they've been well-rested. The Rangers, uh, I mean, they're playing tonight is game one, Wednesday night. So the Rangers only have 48 hours of rest before they have to take the ice again. Not even 48 hours of rest before they have to take the ice again. Uh, some would say that is a good thing in terms of playoff runs. So if you're a believer in that kind of stuff, which I kind of am, the Rangers are rolling. They're coming off two Game 7 victories against the Penguins and against the Hurricanes. Their offense is flowing. Their power play has been crisp. Shesterkin is in a zone. And that might be a better thing for them to just go into this series against Tampa Bay, who they won the season series against 3-0. I think they finished with the same amount of points, but the Rangers are getting home ice advantage. The first game is at Madison Square Garden. So some might say it's better for them to just keep it rolling, keep it moving, and go right into the next game against Tampa Bay, whereas Tampa Bay won four straight games against the Panthers, and now they've kind of been sitting around, maybe losing a little bit of steam, waiting to see who their opponent is going to be. Uh, so uh, there's a, there, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in that. I don't know how well that plays in hockey, because I know obviously it's a very physical and physically demanding sport. But with something like, uh, like baseball, baseball and even basketball, it, it might be better, like, the shorter rest is often better because you're just, like, ready to go. And if you're in a zone, like, you want to keep cooking. And um, it could apply to hockey. You know, I, I would say that that might apply to hockey. We'll see how the Rangers do it. They are a young team, so they have that at their advantage. And also, in terms of Tampa Bay, their rest is probably a, an advantage for them because they've just made so many deep playoff runs consecutive years in a row. like. Playoff mileage does take its toll at some point. So if the rest is better for them, then, you know, tough luck on the Rangers. But I, th I think the, the quick turnaround could be good for the Rangers and not necessarily a, uh, a fatigue, a bad fatigue thing. Although if they go another seven games against the Lightning, which is very likely <laughs> in, all, in all things, uh, that could prove to really take a hurting to them if they make it to the Stanley Cup. But for the West, it is Connor McDavid and the Oilers versus the Colorado Avalanche. So, best teams in hockey left. Last four teams. And I'm, I'm thinking they're both going prop, like close to seven. I, I feel like if... There's one of these series that's more likely to go seven. It's probably Tampa Bay and the Rangers. Uh, but Edmonton and Colorado, like Connor McDavid is the best hockey player on the planet. So uh, it's going to be very, very intense for that as well. Pulling for the Rangers. I'm going Rangers in seven. They've had two seven-game series so far. 
why stop now? They've played their best hockey when their back is against the wall. That is a fact. So keep it moving. Rangers in seven and let's go Avalanche in seven as well. How about that? I also have a future in on the Rangers. I got them at like plus 2,000 odds. So, uh, pretty, look, I'm not, not bad. Looking pretty good on that one. I'm excited. Uh, I want to see them back in the cup. It's been, uh, I think the last time they were in the playoffs, they got eliminated by the Lightning, right? So, maybe a, uh, a bit of revenge here. Basketball, the NBA Finals. We'll move on to that. The Golden State Warriors are back in the NBA Finals after two years of missing the playoffs, and they are going against the Boston Celtics. The first time the Celtics have made the finals since 2011 when they lost to Kobe Bryant and the Lakers when Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce and Rajon Rondo lost to Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol, and the Lakers. So it's been a while, about 10 years now, since they made it. And it might even be uh might even be more than that. Well, it's 11 years. Maybe 12 years was it tw- it was either 2010 or 2011, but it's been a while. And this is a team that a lot of people, myself included, said maybe this team just can't play together. You might have to ship off Tatum and Brown and all that. And can you really blame them? Because last year, the Celtics missed the playoffs entirely. And this year, they're in the NBA Finals. So it, it was, it's quite the impressive turnaround, honestly. And uh, this core of Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown has, uh, has certainly played their best basketball that they've ever played together. Dating back to January, uh, they have been the best team in the NBA. I unquestionably, and they've had a tough road to get here. You know, they, they beat Durant and Kyrie in the Nets. They beat Giannis and the Bucks, the defending champs, and they had to play a tough Miami Heat team that won seven games where Jimmy Butler, they couldn't stop Jimmy Butler. Uh, he tweaked his knee in game three, I believe, missed the entire second half of game three, and the Heat ended up winning that game. But Jimmy Butler was not the same for games four and five. He was not the same Jimmy Butler he was in games one and two. So that was a a huge hiccup, speed bump, roadblock, whatever the hell you want to call it, for Miami. And he came back to form, it seemed like, in game six and seven. He he was totally fine because he ended up putting up 47 in game six to win. And force a game seven. And then he ended up with, I think, 35 plus points in game seven as well. So he played his ass off. Uh, it is not his fault. Tyler Hero missed two games with a groin injury. And then he logged like six minutes in game seven, barely played. So losing him was obviously a huge blow. I think that I, I can't believe that he wasn't like trying to at least play with, I guess he tried to play in game seven and it just wasn't working. I don't know. Um, Bam Adebayo, I think has a, a huge hand up. This is on me moment because they really needed him to be the second option. And he just could not be that outside of 
Game three, after he started off really hot in game three, and then after Jimmy Butler went out, he's continued like his hot streak. But that was just the one game. All other six games, it felt like he wasn't even looking to score when he had the basketball. He wasn't being nearly as aggressive. And he was the best. He is, or was at this point now, the best center left in the playoffs. He was better. He's better than Robert Williams. He's better than uh, Al Horford. He's better than Kevon Looney, and he was better than uh, anyone that the Mavs had. Maxi Kleba, right? Like he's better than all of them. And he didn't play like it. He didn't act like it either. So I I think it, that was a huge, a huge uh, bam what is he made of really series and we saw a lot there where it was just like he's not at least right now he it's very clear that he wasn't built to be that that second option when they really needed because Jimmy Butler just needed he needed someone like literally anyone to step up and and put up like 20-25 points I, I know that's easier said than done but like someone needs to help Max Struess picked a horrible time to mix to miss like 17 straight shots. Kyle Lowry had a good game six, uh, and I think he had a decent game seven. But like from again, most of the series, Kyle Lowry was absolutely awful. Just just really 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 bad. So Jimmy Butler was getting no help, and I feel bad because I like Jimmy Butler's definitely a top five guy in the NBA right now that I want to see win a championship just because I love the way he plays. I love his attitude and his mentality and I want to see him win. I think he really deserves that, but it just doesn't seem like he has guys that are able to step up like that. And then Kyle Lowry, this dude has the audacity to say that every season you're not winning a championship is a wasted season. Yeah, okay, dude. Well, you won your first championship like three years ago. So, relax. Pump the brakes a little bit. You're not, you know, uh, a Kobe or a, or a LeBron or a like Jordan, like that tier of you're expected to win a championship every year because you're that kind of player. You're, you're that good of a player where you're expected to be competing for a championship. You're not like, you're not built like that, Kyle Lowry. You had... A nice run with the Raptors. You and you only won a championship because Kawhi Leonard came. <laughs> like, like he's he's the whole reason why the Raptors were able to be. I mean, obviously they had a great team surrounding him, but like Kawhi was the guy there. So Kyle Lowry to say something offhanded stuff like that was was a bit a bit much because dude was apparently wasted his entire NBA career aside from one year. Just silly thing to say. It's it's a very silly thing to say unless you're like a multiple time champion and you're you're in that hunt every year and you've won already like three, four, five championships. Like the Warriors, they hated those seasons that they weren't competing. They've been in the finals uh what is it like five of the last eight years? Six of the last eight years. So like that that is you want to talk about it like from one of them saying it, that makes a lot more sense. But 
Kyle Lowry, come on, man. You've been to one finals. <laughs> and you're, you're one for one, congratulations, but Jesus, man. I thought that was so ridiculous for someone like him to say. And he, I mean, he did say if you're not playing for a championship, like, he made it to the Eastern Conference Finals in, in seven games, dude, and <laughs> like, come on, man. You didn't, pl- it's not like you played well. You didn't, you didn't play well. Flat out, like, Kyle Lowry did not play well. He had, like, one good game in this, in this Eastern Conference Finals. He didn't play well. Uh, I want Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler to team up again. I don't know how it's going to happen, but make it happen. That's what I want. That's my one wish. As for the Celtics, uh, I mean, Jason Tatum continues to say, screw you, John, you're a moron. So respect to Jason Tatum. Uh, he did tweet out or put on Instagram or I saw it was, um, he tweeted Kobe's old number and said, I got you today. Uh, and he did. He did. He was wearing a purple 24 wristband on his left uh, elbow. So that was pretty cool for Jason Tatum. Uh, Tatum, Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown, they all had 20-plus points. They almost actually all had 25-plus points. Tatum had 26, and Smart and Brown both had 24 each uh, in 40-plus minutes played. Tatum played 46 minutes. Brown played 44. Smart played 41. Uh, Jimmy Butler played all 48 minutes. Bam Adebayo played 46 minutes. And he had 25 and 11 and 4. So he actually did play well in the final game. It, it just wasn't it wasn't enough. Lowry didn't play that well. He had 15. 1 of 6 from 3. Uh, yeah, so actually, I, I take back a little bit of what I said about Bam. But overall, like he, he needed to do uh, just, just a bit more, man. I, I it, it's feels obnoxious of me to say, but like, you know, he had six points in, in, in game six, he had 10, six, 31, nine, 18, six, 25. It, like, that's just entirely too inconsistent. You know, it's just, it's tough. It's tough. Anyway, back to the Celtics. Um, Going back to the finals for the first time in over a decade. So that is exciting for them. Curry and the Warriors. Curry, Draymond, Clay, all looking to win their fourth ring. Their second without Kevin Durant. (laughs) Uh, We went over this in terms of Steph Curry's legacy last week. So there's a lot that hangs in the balance. I think matchup-wise, this was, you know, after the conference finals were announced and the matchups were made with the Warriors and Mavs and and Heat and Celtics. I think this was the matchup that everyone wanted because they were such a good matchup for each other. Two of the best defensive teams in the league, uh, all with prolific score, like three, at least two prolific scorers and, you know, three or four other options that can score the ball. Because you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and then Steph and Clay, and outside of them, the Warriors, they have Poole, they have Wiggins, uh, the Celtics have Marcus Smart, uh, Grant Williams can shoot the ball, Al Horford can shoot the ball, and they have, they have solid a solid amount of role players. Like, they run really deep, both teams, and they have two of the, they have two star players each, and they have 
a team that runs deep and a lot of people can contribute. And they all play great defense. Like they play, both play great team defense. So this was probably the matchup I would, I, I picked, I wanted them. I didn't pick them. I said Heat and seven, but this is a great matchup that I would have wanted, you know, uh, not complaining. I'm sure a lot of people wanted this matchup as well. So it's exciting that we're getting it. Uh, it's kind of a young, up-and-coming team with the Celtics. Not really up-and-coming, but you know what I mean. Like, they're going for their first championship versus the seasoned championship pedigree Golden State Warriors who have been there so many times before and look to add on to their unbelievable run of the Steph Curry, Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Clay, Draymond, Big Three, and Steve Kerr as their head coach. That dynasty, they're looking to add on to it even more. Uh, I'm going to say Warriors in six. That might be a tad disrespectful, but I, I really, I don't know, man. I, I just, the way the Warriors play, if Clay Thompson can just like find that jump shot that he had in the closeout game against the Mavericks, he hit eight three pointers. If he could find even half of that for the entire series and he's making, you know, four or five three pointers a game, it's it's curtains, bro. Like it, they, they, the, the Celtics don't have a shot if Clay Thompson's on like that. They just don't. Uh, again, you're never going to win a shooting, a shootout matchup. With the Golden State Warriors. You are simply never, ever, ever going to win that way. And I don't, I mean, these these defensive matchups are definitely going to be interesting because you figure Wiggins or Draymond are probably going to be on Brown and Tatum. Uh, Steph and Marcus Smart kind of fit well with each other, I think. Marcus Smart's going to have his, depending on his health, you know, he has that, I think it's that ankle problem or his foot, his heel, whatever it is. Uh, Steph runs around a lot. Like the guy just without the ball, with the ball, he just does not stop moving. So whoever's guarding him is going to have to get their cardio up. And if it's Marcus Smart and he's not fully healthy, then that's going to definitely be a, a challenge for him. Clay Thompson, same thing, like white on rice, bro. You got to be on Clay Thompson because he moves. He gets a lot of screens set for him. And he's a big catch-and-shoot guy, obviously. He's the best, I would say he's probably the best catch-and-shoot guy in all of the NBA when he's, you know, on, when he's healthy. He's, he's, everyone, I think, at this point is in agreement that he's almost, if not uh, more scary than Steph. When they're in a zone, like, Clay, like, Clay might light you up for, you know, 20 and a quarter when he's on. He's insane. So, uh, they got a lot of guys like that. And uh, a lot of guys, meaning like that, they never stop moving. It's constant screens, a lot of movement. And the Celtics are going to have to try and find a way to deal with that. Uh, Wiggins on Tatum, I think, is a great matchup. Jalen Brown, I got to think, was going to try and stay in front of Clay. So the team defense, obviously, uh, both of these teams mostly switch everything. Uh, the Warriors did switch to a zone for a little bit at one point versus the Mavericks, but it's, it's going to be very, very, very intense for these two teams, uh, defensively, no doubt. Uh, our usual weekly Yankees and Mets update. Uh, it's a very real 
possibility that the MVP will be from New York in both leagues. Aaron Judge leads the league in home runs. Currently, he is honestly just on a tear. Like he he really is out here trying to prove that he deserves this contract that he wants. He has 18 home runs, 37 RBIs, and he's batting 309 with a 1044 OPS. He's been sensational for the Yankees. Uh and they are the best team in baseball, second best team in baseball, win-wise, they are tied. They have the same exact record as the Dodgers, 33-15, and 15, and the Mets are just one game back of that best record at 33-17. and 17. So, Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor, one of them might win the, the MVP for the National League as well. I mean, as it stands right now, if there isn't the MVP awards, uh, I think it goes to Aaron Judge in the American League, but I think the National League probably goes to uh, Manny Machado. Cause I'm pretty sure he leads in the National League in every single uh, statistic. But Pete Alonso is batting 286 with 47 RBIs and 13 home runs. Lindor also has 40 RBIs. Uh, Alonzo is only, I think, four, three or four RBIs behind Jose Ramirez for the league lead. Uh, Ramirez already has 50 RBIs, which is unbelievable. But uh, Cleveland stinks, which is crazy because Jose Ramirez is so good. But he's, he's just rotting away there, unfortunately. And they're, they're 20 and 24, so they're really not as bad as I make them out to be. But. Uh, someone like Jose Ramirez, he's 13 homers, 51 RBIs, batting like 298. Guy's a stud. Uh, but the Mets and the Yankees have been unbelievable. And the Mets are continuing to put out good offensive outings in spite of the fact that their two top pitchers, two of the top five pitchers in all of baseball that they have, are not playing. Because Scherzer's on the 10-day IL. Uh, what, what did he have? An oblique injury. DeGrom still, God knows what's going on with him or when he's going to be back. Because he's on the 60-day IL now. It's a nightmare on that front. Um, and quite honestly, like the more time passes with DeGrom on the IL, the more you have to think, like, yeah, he's going to opt out of his contract. But how much money is he really going to command? Because if you're basing it just on talent alone, like it's the same thing with Aaron Judge, man. If you're basing it on talent alone, these guys should be making like $350, $400 million. And just their, their injury past, especially over the past few seasons, Judge was healthy last year. The Yankees tried to work it out. I think, again, you know, we, we talked about this weeks and months ago now at this point, but... um. Judge deserves a fat contract, and I don't think the Yankees really lowballed him, but he is currently playing to, like, top three paid players in the league money right now. Like, that's what he's, that, that is the level he is playing at, and if he continues this pace, he's going to end up batting, like, 310 
with 50 home runs and like 130 RBIs. He's, he's on pace for a stupid year, like ridiculous year. And if that, if that happens, like, what do you do with the Yankees? If you're the Yankees, you pay him whatever he wants, right? And I think if it's really like you're not sure, there's Juan Soto who's like rumored to be traded by the Nationals because I believe he's in the last year of his contract. I would be shocked if the Nationals let him go for nothing because you can obviously get half a team for Juan Soto, right? Uh, every, every Yankees fan, every stupid bandwagon Yankees fans are like, well, why don't the Yankees simply go out and trade for like Mike Trout? That would solve their outfielder problem. Uh, it, it's obviously stupid. In a hypothetical scenario, hypothetical dream scenario, if Aaron Judge would to le- were to leave, like Juan Soto is the only person I would ever want to replace him in right field. Juan Soto would hit like 60 home runs in Yankee Stadium. Uh, he's, a, he's a monster. He's 23 years old. Like, if he hits the open market, there's no reason the Yankees shouldn't say, hey, we're going to give you a 15-year, $600 million contract. How's that sound? Like, and just call it a day. 23 years old. That, that would be insane, obviously. And, uh, you know, I think, truthfully, uh, Juan Soto can c- commands, you know, th- that's not really out of the realm of possibilities that he gets a, a contract that's that absurd, you know? And... Because he's making 15 years, 600 million. He's making $40 million a year. Like, that's really for a 23 year old, 24 years old, to get a 15 year, $600 million contract. That is not out of the realm of possibility for Juan Soto to get. I think he's more going to get like 12, 13 for like 530, 550. He's going to be the highest paid player in baseball wherever he signs. It's going to happen. He's going to break records. Uh, anyway, Aaron Judge, like, give him more money. I, I just, I, I'm on Cashman's side with this. I really don't think it would be wise to give him more years because you offered him a, a seven-year extension, which would put him through his age 37 year because he just turned 30. That would put him through age 37. And they had him about $30.5 million per year is what he would be making. If you, like, okay, I'm not sure. You can maybe offer him an extra year. Judge is a very good hitter. The power numbers obviously are not always going to be there. But he can cover the plate. He goes the other way. Like, he hits for contact as well as power. Like, he's just an overall a very, very solid hitter. and. Even when the power goes, if he could still just get on base and draw walks, he's very patient at the plate. Yes, the strikeouts are there, but he also walks a ton. If that's still there, then when he's 37, 38 years old, you're not going to hate it, right? Especially if the output for when he's between now and when he's 35, 36 is crazy, then who cares? But if you tack on another year, and instead of seven, it's an eight-year deal, and you give him $41, $42 million a year, 
if he keeps up this pace, like, he's easily worth that. Easily. I just, I can't imagine if he ends up, if he somehow unbelievably ends up winning MVP in this, you know, uh, contract extension debacle, then money, like, you can't, what what are you going to fuss about? He just won MVP. You literally could not ask him to do any more short of winning a World Series. He, he did everything individually that he could possibly do to earn that money. And if you still wouldn't give it to him, then I would have no problem with him walking. I think the Yankees should match whatever. I mean, I don't even think they should be matching. They shouldn't be matching. They should have the highest offer on the table immediately. And I don't know what that is, but I think whatever he throws out there, especially if he wins all these accolades that he's on pace to do, whatever it is, like, you have to pay it. And again, as for the Mets, uh, Lindor is finally living up to his contract. He's been uh, spectacular so far this year. And Pete Alonso has... Four, I think it, they said he has 400 hits, and like a quarter of them have been home runs, which is obnoxious. So he continues his power surge, um, and they've both had great Mays. So going into now the summer, we'll see if both New York teams can keep it up. But like they're, I mean, tied them three in the uh, them two in the Dodgers are tied atop the league with 33 wins. A piece, so it doesn't seem like they're just off to a hot start. They're off to um, a start that's going to propel them all the way to October. Hopefully, I would love to see another Subway Series because I was like four when that happened. So um, now I'm 26. I'd rather you know see it now. That would be crazy. I'd probably drop a grand for a Subway Series World Ticket, uh, World Series ticket for sure. It'd probably be more than that, honestly. But I would pay whatever just to go to one game. I'll go by myself. I wouldn't even have to go with anyone. I'll just go by myself, watch the game. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to wrap up the show. It's a bit of a shorter episode this week, but we're going to wrap up the show with the Kenobi series premiere recap. Uh, again, I wrote a recap on AnimalHouseUSA.com if you want to go read that. But there's a lot more to talk about in terms of theories because now it's been like an entire, oh, it's about to be not even an entire week, but Wednesday episode three comes out. So like the fan theories are out there and stuff. And some of the fan theories sound more of just like Star Wars fans putting the pieces together. So the series opens with, first a recap of the prequels, but the opening scene is another Order 66 scene. And we have all these Padawans running away from the Jedi Temple. Their trainer gets killed uh, by the clone troopers. And these, like, four, five, six Padawan younglings are running away. And someone I saw on TikTok, I don't know his name, I'm sorry, but it was basically the, the hallway that these younglings were running out of. There was a statue on the side. And the guy cuts to episode three, and it's the same bridge, hallway, and the same statue, and there's younglings sprawled out on the floor. And it's the scene where uh, Yoda says that this wasn't done by clone troopers, this was done by a lightsaber. So the whole point of that scene is to establish the fact that 
And the third sister, Reva, is one of those Padawans that was able to escape and survive. And she saw Anakin Skywalker killing all of these uh, younglings and these Padawans and stuff. And she was able to deduce that Anakin was Darth Vader. And that is why at the end of the episode, when she tells Obi-Wan, Darth Vader, like Lord Vader will be pleased. And she's able to sense his fear and his, uh, his like shock and awe. She's like, oh, you didn't know, like, he's alive, Obi-Wan. Anakin Skywalker is alive, which obviously is very much not true. And something that Darth Vader probably doesn't want going around the universe that he was Anakin because remember the only three people who knew that secret are Obi-Wan, Yoda, and the Emperor. Now originally I thought that I'm pretty sure like Vader he trains the Inquisitors so I'm thinking maybe they all knew that at some point because the Inquisitors are mostly all Jedi who turned to the dark side and they hunt their own kind now right that's what most inquisitors are reva seems to have a tad different of a backstory and she's kind of treated as scummy um the grand inquisitor by the way definitely not dead obviously he is an antagonist in uh rebels so he's not dead but he might be incapacitated for the rest of the series so it's possible that the rest of the Inquisitors know that Anakin and Vader are one and the same. Obviously, they aren't stupid enough to say something like that out loud, but Reva is. And she clearly has some type of obsession with Vader uh, and Obi-Wan. And she either, A, wants to get more power, which would be kind of cheesy, but I think it's more of just like a Kylo Ren Jr. situation where she's obsessed with Darth Vader and and pleasing him and all that kind of stuff. Maybe it's because she liked Anakin. Maybe it's because she loves Vader. I don't know. It's all a little bit cloudy. Obviously, we're going to get answers to that um, in the future episodes because her knowing that Vader and Anakin are the same people, that's like obviously a huge, huge, huge thing that people just don't know. Like I said, it's Obi-Wan, Yoda, and the Emperor, and the Inquisitors aren't around during the original trilogy timeline, so at, at some point within now to, like, the next nine years, those Inquisitors are going to be gone. That's just, they're just gone. Like, they don't really exist in the original trilogy at all. And, I mean, that could, they could exist, but, like, they, they don't. Uh, it's the, you know, the age of the empire and then the rebellion and then after that it's 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 over so i don't really think inquisitors exist at all during the original trilogy so this is like that last time period that they're around in so it's possible all three of them know it's unlikely it's more likely that reva has some type of connection to the jedi and anakin and obi-wan and that is how she knows that tremendous secret but also her to be the one to reveal that to Obi-Wan, like Ewan McGregor's acting in that scene because he didn't say anything. It was just all in his eyes about how shocked and, and sad and just completely distraught he was to learn that Anakin had survived their attack on Mustafar because he left him as close to dead as you could possibly leave someone and he, he couldn't bring himself 
to deliver the final blow just because he loved Anakin so much. So we kind of just left him there and assumed that he was at some point going to die. Of course, he doesn't. He gets turned into Vader. And now Obi-Wan knows after 10 years, 10 whole years, he finds out that Anakin did survive their battle and he is the tyrant Sith Lord Darth Vader, who I'm sure he has heard of at some point. Like, he does live in a hole, like, in a cave, literally in a cave, on Tatooine, the Outer Rim. News doesn't really get around there, but, like, people know. It's the Outer Rim, yes, and news travels slow, but they know that of the Empire, they know of the Emperor, they know of the Inquisitors. Like, people know who these figures are. So you have to think that they've at least heard of Darth Vader. And as I'm talking out loud, it occurs to me that I'm not sure if... Did, did Obi-Wan know Anakin's Sith Lord name was Darth Vader? I believe when they were... The time he heard his name utter be, uh, uttered by the Emperor Darth Vader was possibly when in Episode 3... They're going through the, uh, the security footage, and they get to the point where the Emperor, but the Emperor might not have explicitly called him Darth Vader in that moment during the security footage. In the actual scene, obviously, he did, but in, during the security footage, he might have just said, rise, my new apprentice. And then that could have been the end of it. And if that's the case, then Obi-Wan probably doesn't know that Anakin's real name is Darth Vader, so, not real name, but his Sith Lord name is Darth Vader, so... Even if he did heard, hear of Vader and that, that this Darth Vader figure in the Outer Rim, he wouldn't have known that was Anakin. But if he did, then the only logical scenario is that he's never heard of Darth Vader from anyone on Tatooine ever. Like At any point in the last 10 years, has he ever even heard the name Darth Vader be uttered? So it's a bit confusing there. Um, I guess I would have to rewatch episode three to be completely sure that, or at least rewatch the last 45 minutes of episode three to be completely sure that Obi-Wan never hears the Emperor call, or anyone call Anakin Darth Vader. Then that would confirm the fact that he has no idea that Darth Vader was the title given to Anakin. Again, I would have to rewatch the movie. Off the top of my head, I'm going to go ahead and say that he didn't know that was the title given to Anakin. Because um, all he says in their final confrontation is like, you've allowed this dark, dark lord to twist your mind. So he doesn't explicitly say anything about Darth Vader or anything like that. Anakin doesn't refer to himself or anything like that. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a huge, huge, huge revelation for Obi-Wan to figure out or to find out that Anakin is alive. and. So many great fan edits coming from that with uh, the Ahsoka scene from Rebels when she goes up against Vader and they both like whisper his name like Anakin and it shows uh, Vader looking at them. And the final scene of episode two, after they zoom in on Obi-Wan and he just mutters Anakin's name and it cuts to him in the back to tank, no armor on. And it, it's so interesting that these you know, the apparatuses 
are like attached to him, right? He has like this thing on his throat to help him breathe. You can see as like the very last frame before it cuts to black, there's something um, that's embedded into his chest to help him breathe. And he just burns everywhere, obviously. And it's definitely to this point, the best look at vader without his armor on that we have gotten i think in any like full frontal look at vader without his armor on that we've gotten in like any live action star wars adaptation i feel like that's probably safe to say um of course rogue one gave us a taste i think it was rogue one with him in his meditation chamber the original trilogy had that as well um it's been getting more and more, but now this was like a full front shot. The only thing we were missing were seeing his severed arms and legs. So, pretty fire. No pun intended, but it, it was dope. And very, very, very excited for episode three of the Obi-Wan series. It ends at the end of June, so only four more episodes, four more weeks. Um very excited it's it's incredible like it's already peak star wars just through the first two episodes uh so like i said i'm excited uh that will wrap it up for this episode actually a little bit on the shorter end this week but that's all right um thank you all for listening enjoy the newest episode of kenobi nba final start uh conference finals for the nhl start so a lot of good uh playoffs being taking place this weekend hope everyone had a fun memorial day weekend we are into june so thank you all for listening as always i appreciate you and we'll talk to you all next wednesday